Fort Charlotte is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Now offering video visits so you can take control of your orthopedic care from the comfort of your home. Schedule online at orthocarolina.com. Ortho Carolina, you improved. Welcome to Sports Charlotte, the podcast about sports in Charlotte. I am your host, Ashley Mahoney, and joining me today is first-time guest Darius Barnes of Charlotte FC, the Director of Business Operations and a Nightdale, North Carolina native. Correct me if I'm wrong on that, Darius. Technically, that, that's it. That's it. I'm, I'm surprised that you got the Nightdale part. A lot of people just associate Raleigh, and, and technically it's a Raleigh address I'm from, but, you know, grew up Nightdale um, Nightdale area is pretty much my, my backyard. Well, fantastic. And hey, it's exactly like saying areas around Charlotte. I mean, don't get me wrong. Union County, it's really close and it's technically a plenty of suburbs and Matthews, for instance, but we like, we like to give credit where credit is due. So Raleigh area, but Nightdale specific. That's it. That's it. You got to give the little town some credit and some shout outs. Oh, you you got to give them some love. Absolutely. But you joined Charlotte FC in April, so kind of making your way down from New York recently with Major League Soccer on the corporate side, and we're going to dive into your transition from player to executive and that journey, but first things first, what was the journey like that led you to joining Charlotte FC on the executive side? Yeah, I just think the passion of being involved with a new club, first and foremost, um, and then just being in the Charlotte area. Um, you know, just everything that this club is about and was, you know, trying to build, um, you know, of course, you know, I did my, my own homework and, you know, had a variety of different conversations and, but initially for me, just the excitement around when Charlotte got the, got the expansion bid, um, you know, just knowing that there was going to be, um, a professional soccer franchise right there, you know, in my backyard in, in my home state. Um, that was something I was excited about and, you know, passionate about and, and wanted to be involved with. Um, just really being able to being able to help this sport grow, um, you know, in my home state is something that that I care for. And you know, when I retired, and I know we'll get into this a bit later, but you know, it's a game that I've loved and you know cherished, and it's been a big part of my life for such a long period of time. And you know, this game has been with me and has stuck with me. And so, you know, when I retired, I had a passion to continue to help the sport grow and wanted to learn more. Um, on the commercial side of the house, um, which led me to my role at, at MLS, but, you know, even further so, being able to continue to help the game grow um, in a local market, um, you know, in my home state in Charlotte was, you know, just a, a dream come true, an opportunity that, you know, I had to hop on and one opportunity that I couldn't pass up. So this was a matter of seeing the opportunity that was available and saying, you know what, the time in New York has been, I'm sure, a little chilly at times as a New York native. It uh, can get a little brisk up there. I'm, I'm sure nothing compared to the time that you spent in New England, but it's, uh, it's a transition for a southerner heading north or a northerner heading south. It's definitely different. That's very true. I think I'm ready to thaw out a little bit, just being, I was in Boston for eight years and then slowly made my way down the East Coast in New York for the past um, you know, three or four years. So um, it's, it's going to be nice to get back and have actual kind of four even seasons and four mild seasons and not have to deal with, you know, you know, two feet of snow and, and shoveling your car out from, from those brutal New England winters for sure. Well, hey, if we have two feet of snow in Charlotte this year, we'll just say that you brought it with you. 
I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame. Hey, it'd be great skiing weather, that's for sure. Just kind of ski around Bank of America Stadium, a little little cross-country skiing action there. But as you look forward toward the inaugural season, it, it we're already halfway through, uh, through June. No, we're just starting June, but we are halfway through 2021. And, of course, the inaugural season was pushed back from 2021 until 2022 because of the COVID-19 pandemic. But when you look at what needs to be done in the process of preparing for the inaugural season, not only, of course, on the player personnel side, announcing inaugural coach, manager, et cetera, players, the works, but what does the business side of things look like? And I know that club president Nick Kelly said when your hire was announced that you would be responsible for kind of reaching out to the youth side of things here in the Carolinas, as well as kind of that business community development and so forth. So what does this gear up for 2022 look like? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work that that has been done, and you know, as I mentioned earlier, this is this is the exciting part. You know, being able to, you know, have a hand and play a small role in, in building a club from scratch um, at, from its commencement. Um, it's exciting. You know, we're always looking for, you know, especially myself, just looking for exciting new challenges. And you know, this is a challenge that I was excited to accept, and one that I'm excited to take on, um, and just working hand in hand with Nick. You know, where you know, continuing to, to build out our staff uh, and our structure in-house, you know, really being able to find, you know, the talent that, you know, is passionate about the sport um, and really has some of those same goals and objectives that we have as a club um, and some of those same thematics, you know, you know, we're really looking to be, you know, a progressive club, ambitious club, you know, collective, you know, diverse. So just being able to find, you know, the talent that, that fits those models and fits those thematics um, is something that we're keen on. You know, we want to bring in the right people that mesh well, um, that, you know, want to, want to drive the sport forward, want to drive the club forward in our community. Um, and I think it's just that, being able to, to, to get involved in our community. Like you said, you know, establishing some of those youth partnerships and youth relationships, you know, getting out in the community, which, you know, has been a big part of what we've been able to do thus far. Um, just knowing that, you know, obviously we're not kicking the ball in the pitch yet, but just, you know, showcasing the fans that, you know, we're a team for the Carolinas that, you know, we, you can really rally around us. You know, we're here to, to unify, you know, a, a number of markets and communities, you know, throughout the Carolinas. And, you know, I think we're trying to show that and we've been able to display that um, through some of the events that we've been able to put on, you know, even in this COVID, you know, atmosphere, you know, and hopefully we'll be able to ramp that up even more here, you know, in the latter half of 2021 and as we approach um, first kick in 2022. So um, there, there's so much that needs to be done, but I think we're, we're on the right path and we're pushing forward and, you know, I think you can start to see you're seeing, you know, some excitement and some buzz in the community about Charlotte FC. I know I'm not here permanently yet. Um, I've been commuting back and forth, but, you know, just conversations that I've had with, you know, you know, random, you know, waiters and waitresses and people in the street. People are excited that, you know, the team is coming to town. And I think that that's what that, that's what excites us is just hearing that buzz and, you know, knowing that the community is you know there to support us just like we're there to support them. And how much of that becomes marrying the business side with the kind of community outreach and relations side between yourself and, and Nick and so forth, as well as with Dustin Swinehart and what he's spearheading on the community relations side? Yeah, I think you just you know, like like what I found out is that Charlotte is such a, a tight knit community and people are, are willing to help. And so, you know, Nick, you know, Dustin, I, myself, the, the whole staff, 
Um, it's just really being focused on trying to find, you know, these events to get involved with and, you know, the, the needs where Charlotte FC can come in um, and really lend a hand. You know, we've been, you know, building many pitches. You know, that's one of our, our initiatives is really to build, build many pitches and, you know, really provide that mentorship um, and really provide access to the sport um, because, you know, I think globally um, access has been um, a barrier to entry for the sport and more so domestically in, in the United States. And, you know, I think if we can kind of take on some of those challenges, you know, here in our local market to push the game and push the, the sport forward, um, I think we'll be, be doing our part and, you know, doing our community a great service. Um, so you know we've been you know small businesses as well um, within the community, which I think has been you know fantastic, especially you know within the pandemic and the times that we've been going through. You know small small businesses um, have really taken you know a brunt of the burden, um, and so however we can be there to support them and, and push business their way, um, I think that's been you know that initiative has been fantastic. You know we'll we'll launch some more here in the next couple months or so as we you know gear up gear up for the season. You know we'll have you know our military support initiative. Um, and a couple others following that, but you know we we have our, our main buckets that we're that we're focused on, um, and you know really from a from a technical side and academy side, you know just being getting involved more with you know a lot of the the local tournaments. Uh, like I said, I'll be reaching out and working with a lot of the youth youth clubs in the area. I'm um, seeing how we can develop meaningful par- partnerships that are you know mutually beneficial um, for both sides and the community as well. And you know, with all of that, you know, you start to put, you know, a lot of these great ingredients, you know, into the pot, um, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll produce a, a good brew. Um, and so we're, we're excited about it. Um, like I said, obviously a lot that still needs to be done and, um, we're, we're pushing forward and we're really trying to make something successful here um, with this franchise. One of the first questions that I asked Nick, I'll ask you the same one, is that marginalized communities typically in Charlotte, whether you're talking East Charlotte or West Charlotte, Typically, like you said, access has been a barrier to the sport, and there are still the the conceptions uh, and things that I've been told multiple times is that, well, black people don't play soccer. And mm-hmm. obviously, you're eight-plus years as a professional, and that dispels that myth. And you talk about former teammates, uh, Dal Duckett, who played for the Charlotte Independents as well as the Charlotte Eagles, that's something that still exists in some communities. So how will the club address that and really provide a way of saying that's not the case. The game is it's here and it is accessible. There have just been previous organizations or entities that maybe haven't necessarily reached out and connected with those communities. Yeah, I will agree there. There has been that stigma that, you know, People of color, African Americans more specifically, don't play soccer, and I think that start start to change. If you look at the the sport globally, if you look at a lot of the the national team sides, you know there are an abundance of people of color. So I just think it's being you know representative, you know, of the product on the field. If you look on the field, um, you know, it's a very very diverse sport. Um, so I think that that stigma is starting to to fade a little bit and to fade into the to the background and you know people are seeing that people of color do enjoy the enjoy the sport and like you said it's a, it's a matter of access and so for me I think it starts by showing up you know really showing up in this, these communities and caring um, and being willing to, to teach the sport because you know right here in our backyard there's abundance of talent and abundance of kids who enjoy the sport and would enjoy it more if they had the opportunity to you know just even come to a, a Charlotte FC game 
you know, being able to, to see, you know, the, 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 the elite and the, the top flight league, um, right there in your backyard is something to aspire to. Something I wish I had in my backyard when, when I was growing up, um, being able to see people that look like you play the sport at the highest level, um, I think is something that is very important. And, you know, kind of on the flip side of that, you know, like, like I just mentioned, just here internally in the office, we're trying to build a staff that's very, you know, diverse and, and inclusive. Um, and equal across the board. So even when you see people like yourself, you know, working in the game, um, and it may not be on the pitch, it could be, like you said, in business operations, it can be um, on the technical side as a coach, you know, whatever it may be, just seeing people that look like you gives you that, you know, that hope and that aspiration and that ambition to, you know, push for those heights and even just a peek behind the curtain, you know, just knowing that, that that's, that's an opportunity and that's a on an option for you. Just being able to provide those options for people, I think, is something that people don't realize um, and maybe hasn't been so aware um, in the past. And so just, you know, being an option and then knowing that we're available and we're here to help and we're here to provide access, um, I think people are really going to see that, um, you know, as we continue to ramp up here over the next few months and, you know, in the future, the next few years as well. That's certainly something that came to light over the last year. People started finally paying more and more attention to you see, like you said, more and more black players, but not so much when it comes to the coaching staff, front office, so forth, ownership. And when your hire was announced here, there was kind of that light bulb for people saying, okay, there's more than just the experience of playing. There are those opportunities for people. So what was that moment like for you when you decided all right it's time to hang up the boots as a professional player but here's the pathway toward the front office side the executive side that could also be available yeah I think I looked at it very similarly as to you know when I was a kid playing you know when I was you know a kid playing I was always the one to take risks you know my, my dad um my dad grew up playing basketball um and football which are you know predominantly black sports and you know I was just by chance to do the game at a young age and I just gravitated to the sport because I loved it. Like I have the passion I have for it then, I have for it now and it, you know, it only continues to get, get deeper and stronger. So, um, just, you know, even understanding back then that there, you know, weren't too many, you know, people that look like me playing the sport, that didn't deter me from playing the game and, and doing something that I enjoyed doing and, you know, you know, fast forward, you know, a few years, <laughs> fast forward a few years to now, like I, you know, kind of wanted to do the same thing and start to, to break down those barriers and break down those. Um, being representative, um, just understanding. Because when I was at the league office, I had a number of conversations with, you know, other athletes in general, other like former and current MLS players, you know, former and current, you know, black MLS players, and just asking about my experiences. And I, I think you just have to be fearless. You know, you you have to be confident and, and see yourself on equal and in the same playing field as, you know, as your peers and, and colleagues. And, you have to have that mentality. Um, you know, you're going to take your, 
you know, your, your, your lumps. And, you know, I think that's something that the game teaches you, you know, you know, as a professional, you, you may not always be in the starting 11. You may not always be in the 18. You're going to be in, you're going to be injured, you know, but finding ways to deal with that, that adversity, um, and really having that tough skin to, to bounce back is, is a trait that I think is, you know, you know, it, it, it's, it's undervalued. Um, it's really undervalued. And I think, um, as an athlete, that's something that you learn and it's, kind of second nature to you um that's what it takes to, to succeed um in a professional athlete landscape and so just taking that purview is something i wanted to bring over um to the commercial side side as well and you know just continue to, to like i said learn and grow and, and share my experiences and really reach back and pull the next one up is something that you know i'm very passionate about i've been taught you know i'm not i got to where i am because i had great help and support um you know throughout my life and i want to continue to do that and provide that mentorship um, as I continue to progress in this next stage of my career. So we're going to rewind a little bit and tell me a bit about your once upon a time moment. Everyone has that moment when they realize like, hey, this this game's kind of fun. I'm kind of good at it. It's it's something I want to pursue. So what was your earliest moment with the game? Yeah, honestly, it was my introduction to the game was, you know, I think I was in, in kindergarten. I was I think I was sitting Indian style beside a kid who, who ended up becoming like one of my best friends throughout my, my child playing days. And they were playing like Duck, Duck, Goose um, in that, you know, me and him just created a bond and a friendship. And so his dad was, you know, a coach of a rec team um, when we were, were five years old and, you know, just invited me out just because, you know, I was friends with his son. And I just fell in love with the game, just being able to go out there and, and be free. And like I said, it was a sport that had never been introduced to before or hadn't seen before, wasn't played or talked about or discussed in, in my household. So I was attracted to that novelty. Um, and just, you know, I was very energetic. I was very fast. And, you know, I was able to, to stand out. And I think that was uh, something that, you know, you're able to enjoy something that, that you're good at. And so just being able to go out there it was a – um, an outlet for me uh, to be able to, to let loose some of that energy and just continue to grow and, and get better with the game and, you know, continue to progress up the ranks to, you know, travel. Back then it was, you know, rec to challenge, to classic. Um, and, you know, the, the rest is history. Ended up getting a scholarship offer to, to Duke University uh, where, you know, I enjoyed playing there under um, Coach John Rennie and John Kerr. Um, and then really, you know, blessed and fortunate to get to get drafted by the New England Revolution, which something that I never, when I was a kid, you know, aspired to be a professional athlete. But, you know, as you continue to play and, um, you know, you continue to develop, you, you start to see it's a possibility. And, you know, just very thankful and blessed that, you know, I was able to have that opportunity. And you mentioned, of course, your playing time at Duke, winning the ACC championship with them multiple times, going on to make an Elite Eight appearance. But correct me if I'm wrong, but you didn't, in fact, grow up a Blue Devil fan. You grew up a Tar Heel fan. My my secret is out. How'd, how'd you learn that? <laughs> <laughs> Full credit to the Two Cents podcast. I totally stole that research from them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, it was my my whole family was was a Carolina fan, but my mom has been known to be a flip flopper um, amongst teams within sports. It's like she's like flavor of the week. But uh, but when I I was getting recruited by Duke and um, pretty much my mom said you're going to Duke once once they once they sent an offer she's like you're going to Duke but I had I had a good friend um, that was playing at Duke and I'd go over and visit 
you know, hang out with him. I go watch practices and I just fell in love with the culture over there. I fell in love with the campus, um, all the guys on the team. And it just, it just felt like home. And I think, you know, kids going through that process, you just, you know, when it's right. Um, and you know, when, you know, when there's a fit, um, and I just fit in over there and, you know, fit in with the team and, you know, I have nothing but great things to say about my experience at Duke and, you know, you know what we were able to accomplish as a team there. Um, and so once I, once I signed that paper, my, Allegiances and ties to, to UNC fell, fell, fell way to the side. Although my, my dad and my brother are still big Carolina basketball fans. I, I had converted them to Duke soccer fans, but I couldn't get them to, to Duke basketball fans. It's, you take your, your wins where you can get them when it comes to family sports alliances and allegiances. But as your time there with the Blue Devils has progressed, I mean, of course, being in Charlotte, it'll be much easier to head up to the Triangle, up to Durham to see matches at your alma mater versus being up in New York. But with your journey, of course, you described playing this this progression, kind of this the staircase of the sport, making your way through college, the super draft, and then playing in Major League Soccer for the better part of almost a decade. What are some of the, I wouldn't say highlights necessarily, but kind of moments that stand out to you about that experience? Yeah, just, I think, like, getting drafted is an experience within itself, right? Just, you know, it's, it's a moment that you'll, that you'll never forget. Um, I was, you know, at home with my family, you know, when I got drafted, you know, getting a call, um, that I was, you know, going to New England. Um, you know, obviously you haven't made the team at that point in time, but just knowing that you're going to get the opportunity, um, I think is something that's surreal. Um, and just you just kind of look back at all the experiences that got you there um and you just kind of replay it's like really fast forward like a a quick movie a, a quick sizzle of your entire soccer career um and it, it all led you to that moment so i think getting drafted but then also uh, my first game playing professionally as well um is one that that i look back on and you know we, we played san jose and just really just you know standing you know Standing in line at the, you know, the procession, the game procession, um, really just, just hearing the, the national anthem, smelling the grass, you know, the smoke, you know, seeing the opponents, um, and knowing that you're about to, you know, embark on your professional career. Um, I know a lot of people say that their first game, but it's just, it's something surreal about that moment, um, and a feeling that, that's un- undescribable that, um, that I'll, that I'll cherish forever, honestly, just knowing that, you know, the, the kind of the pinnacle you're at the, the top of your game, um, you know, all the kind of the work that you put in, all the practices, you know, all the long hours that you put in has really kind of, you know, came to the, to this moment. Um, and then the, then the whistle blows and the ball kicks off and it's just the same game that you've been playing, you know, since you were five years old. So it, it's crazy how complex and how simplistic, um, it can all be at, at one time. And what was the decision like when you decided that it was, time to say goodbye to the game because at some point it happens for all of us and it's heartbreaking and if it was a very peaceful transition for you please share your secrets and how you made it so because I'm sure for uh, for most of us mere mortals it's it's a heartbreaking decision when you realize or rather decide that all right it's it's time to step away yeah it's um it, it, it's tough it is tough I don't think you'll find an athlete that'll say you know transitioning from the game is easy um I, I think I knew, I think the, the good part about it is that I knew in 2017, um, when I was playing with the New York Cosmos that that was going to be my final year. 
Um, you know, I had to start to do some, some prep work and start to position myself, um, to, to be, to transition to the league office on the commercial side. Um, and so I tried to be proactive and think through it and not just have my career be in and be a cold turkey. Um, but th- there's a moment, and I think that the time, and it's, and it's so simple. It was an Instagram post where I so- somewhat announced my retirement and it, it was emotional. Like I was literally at home, like piecing together a, um, kind of an Instagram thread, um, a slide story, just of kind of all of the, some of the, the moment through these pictures and starting to remember, you know, certain emotions within specific games. And so I like hit post and I, I literally like felt <laughs> not to get like emotional, but I literally felt like a teardrop because it's like, Oh wow, this is like your playing days are done. Like you're, you're on such a different things. There's really no coming back, although you could, but there's really no coming back from that moment and you're, you're going to the next chapter in your life. And so, um, it, it, it's amazing to just know how like emotions can, can take over you. And it's like one chapter of your life, you know, literally December 31st, you're a professional athlete, January 1, you're, you're not anymore. So it, it can change and your life can shift and pivot, you know, literally that quickly. Now, during your playing days, you were a defender, more specifically a center back. So how would you describe your style of play? Yeah, I describe my style of play, um, it's versatile, you know, being able to play, you know, while nature, I was a center back, I was able to play, you know, right back, I was able to play uh, left back as well. So just being a, you know, a versatile, dependable player, uh, very simple, um, playing out of the back, you know, very, you know, tough, uh, aggressive, very, I tried to be a smart player, you know, being able to, to read the game um, as well. And just, you know, trying to be the, the, the ultimate teammate um, as well. I think, you know, if I, I think I'll hang my hat on just being a, a great team guy and being able to, you know, be a good locker room guy because, you know, in, in professional sports, you know, having a good culture um, and all the great teams that I've been on, if you don't have a good, you know, culture, you can have the most talented players in the world. Um, but if you don't have, you know, those locker room guys and glue guys um, to keep the team together, then, you know, ultimately something's going to fall apart. So, you know, I still have amazing relationships with, you know, all of my former teammates. Um, there's some that I talk to more than others. It's tough to keep up with, with everyone. But, you know, like I said, I have a group chat with, you know, some of my best mates that, that I played with. And, you know, we'll get together and whenever we're in each other's town and, you know, reminisce and, you know, really just kind of enjoy, enjoy the relationship and, and friendships and bonds that we created. And that certainly sounds uh, very familiar when it comes to a current Charlotte FC player, Bram Bronico, and something that, you know, everyone you've ever spoken to about him, whether it was covering him in college or even his time now on loan with the Independents or everyone with Charlotte FC, is he's just a solid guy that you kind of want to use as your your glue. It doesn't matter if you're bringing guys in like Riley McGree from Australia or with Jan Zabrinski from Poland, Sergio Ruiz from Spain. Like, you've got your glue here to kind of connect everyone as they come in and like you said having those relationships with their teammates he had a a former teammate officiate his wedding in december happened to be the day the club announced his signing but you know better i don't think you get a better wedding present than that so have you have you had a chance to meet or discuss the uh the journey of building this club with any of the current signees i have i've had a chance to connect with brent um i haven't had a chance to connect with the other signings uh, yet, but hopefully once I, you know, get down here permanently and we're, you know, you know, we're getting closer to kickoff, have the opportunity to meet them. Um, you know, I think our technical side is doing an amazing job of, you know, 
methodically putting together, you know, around those components is some of mine, just, you know, obviously on the top. So, you know, Zorn and Mark and his team are, you know, doing a fantastic job of, you know, getting some pieces in play, but also once we're able to get our head coach in um, as well, you know, adding him to the mix to be able to make some of these decisions um, is going to be fantastic. But, you know, just speaking on Brant, you know, I've had opportunity to chat with him and, you know, do a couple of events with him um, even before my time, you know, being being hired, hired on here at Charlotte FC. Um, and he's, you know, I have nothing but great things to say about him. Just a, you know, fantastic individual. Um, I think he's a, you know, a great player and going to be a, you know, an amazing piece to the team. Um, so he, he's going to definitely be a valued asset, you know, to Charlotte FC and just, you know, even just his willingness to obviously to be in Charlotte now and to get involved with the community. You know, I just think that's an invaluable asset and invaluable person to have as part of the franchise. And you mentioned that the two of you had connected prior to joining the club respectively was that through your time with the league office and his time in Chicago yeah exactly so um you know it's crazy how worlds start to mesh I was um we were working on a content piece um with Southern New Hampshire University um and so he was basically brought in as as a current player I was brought in as a former player talking about you know transitioning from the pitch um you know to to your neck the next stage of your career um, and just really just trying to give insight to current players on, you know, what that process is like and how you kind of take some of those appropriate steps. So it's been unique and, and cool to see some of the crossover, you know, from, you know, my past life to, to current life as well. So what advice would you give to current players who are not necessarily at that point in their career where it's time to step away, but who haven't necessarily thought as much about what happens after playing the game is is done what steps could they take now to help prepare for that definitely I would say just to take advantage um, of your time and, and prioritize you know as a professional athlete obviously your your number one priority um, is to take care of your own well-being and making sure you're you know you're putting yourself in a position to succeed on the pitch um, that's your top priority but also, you know, the good things about being a professional athlete um, and advantages that, you know, there's time that, that you're allotted where you can, you know, do um, other extracurricular activities. You know, a lot of times trainings are end at, at two or three. So, you know, whether that's, you know, studying for the GMAT, you know, taking some continued education courses, you know, learning a new skill, you know, you know, taking part, uh, taking part in a hobby of yours. Just really take advantage of that time. You know, that's something I wish I did even earlier than when I started in my career. You know, every time, you know, my first couple of years, I'd go to training, I'd get my lifts in and I'd come back, you know, play video games. And then, you know, you, you live and learn and there's nothing wrong with that either. You know, I think you need that time to just enjoy yourself and to enjoy your life as well. But, you know, there comes a stage where you need to, really try to maximize every opportunity and all the time that you're allotted. And, you know, there'll be no other time in your life as a, um, you know, in your professional career once you're done playing that you'll have that much time to really learn something new or, or take classes. And so I think just you really taking advantage of that time and, and putting that to good use and um, finding something to really better yourself. So that way when the time comes and ultimately you're, you have to hang up the boots, whether that be forced or, you know, on your on your own time, um, you're able to more seamlessly, it's never going to be easy, but you're able to more seamlessly make that transition because you've already started to really think through, um, you maybe you've already started to network and meet some people, 
Um, and so you, you'll, you'll have that to your advantage um, rather than doing something just, you know, off the, off the, off the rip or doing something cold turkey. Fantastic. And last but certainly not least, I have to ask, what was your preferred boot to play in during your playing days? Yeah, I was, I was an Adidas guy. So um, I like, initially I liked the, the Adi Zeros, um, but then toward the latter part when Adidas started to innovate and shift a little bit, um, I was more of a, a X player. So I'm partial to Adidas boots. Likewise. I mean, I was old school classic for um Playing fewer, significantly fewer years, but uh, classic Copas couldn't couldn't go wrong with those. <laughs> I like your classic girl. I like it. I like keep, it. Keep it you know, simple. Keep it, keep it classic. Simple. You remind me of a former teammate of mine, uh, Scott Caldwell. You know, he he loved his his black, mm-hmm. you know, Copa boots or just straight black boots. Um, but now that you know Adidas has gotten a little more fancy, it's, it's odd when I see him because he's not a flashy guy at all. It's odd when I see him in the neon boots or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So we always used to give him give him a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, hopefully he has equally as great taste as you do when it comes to clubs abroad, because I know that you're a United man when it comes to Premier League and a Barca supporter when it comes to La Liga. So hopefully he's uh, he's got better taste than your former teammate. No no shame, B. No shame whatsoever. But uh, not everyone can be an Arsenal supporter. <laughs> That's true. We can throw all the shade at Bilal. It's all right. <laughs> Well, hey, Darius, I appreciate you taking time to join me today on Sports Charlotte. It has been a pleasure. Hopefully, we will be able to do this in person at some point in the not-too-distant future as the world continues to open back up. But in the meantime, in between time, what's the best way for people to keep up with the building process and everything you've got going on on social media? Yeah, no, thank thank you, Ashley. This has been fantastic. Thank you for the time. Um, You know, feel free to follow all of Charlotte FC's social handles. Um, you know, feel free to follow, you know, Nick Kelly's social handles as well. And, you know, my social handles as well as we'll continue to, to provide updates. Uh, my social handle is D underscore Barnes 25. Um, so, you know, we'll just continue to, to really just showcase, you know, everything that we're doing in the community and just how we're continuing to build the club. And, you know, we're just, we're gearing up and excited for, for 2022. It's going to be amazing. And, you know, we're ready to party. Fantastic. Well, until next time, thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Sports Charlotte. Make sure that you've subscribed, shared, done all of the fabulous things on Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to your podcast. So until next time, I am your host, Ashley Mahoney. Thank you for listening.